0: Welcome to the Caleb Schaefer Podcast. We're so glad to have you join us today. Pastor Caleb is a graduate of the World Harvest Bible College, as well as Ohio Christian University. And his desire is to share the love of God with a lost and dying world. Prepare to be challenged and encouraged today through the study of God's Word. Now let's listen in to today's episode with our host, Caleb Schaefer.
1: Well, I want us to turn to Exodus chapter 6 this evening, and uh, as we do that, you know, there, are, uh, there are a lot of people who are in here who have been in my Wednesday night uh, services, and we talk a lot in the Wednesday night services and have in the past about the feast seasons. Of the year, and we're entering into this season where we're in the Passover feast season coming up very, very soon. And the Passover feast season consists of three feasts. What are the feasts if you know them? Unleavened bread, Passover, and first fruits. Unleavened bread, Passover, and first fruits. Uh, and, and you know, we're we're entering into this season, and then you go into the Feast of Pentecost. Uh, 50 days after, after this Passover feast, you go into Pentecost, and, and then we, in the fall of the year, have the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast season of Tabernacles, trumpets, atonement, and tabernacles. This Feast season of Passover is one that I love because it's the Feast of Peace. The Feast of Peace. Could anybody use some peace in your life, some peace. This is the feast of peace. And then the pa- the uh, Pentecost feast is the feast of power, the feast of power. And that's when the Holy Ghost fell. And then the feast of tabernacles is the feast of presence. The tabernacle of God is now with man, according to Revelation chapter 21 and so these three feast seasons are feast seasons that we've got to take a look at in our own lives and we've got to understand that they apply to us. They're not the Jewish feast seasons. They're not the Hebrew feast seasons. God said these are my feast seasons. These are mine and he said that they'll be kept for all generations. Can I tell you we're going to celebrate the feasts in eternity. We're going to celebrate the feast seasons in eternity. And so I want us to turn and look at Exodus chapter 6 this evening, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 8. Exodus chapter 6, if you have it, will you stand to your feet with me tonight to honor the reading of the word? Exodus chapter 6 and verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, "Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand shall he let them go, and with a strong hand shall he drive them out of his land." Then Moses, the Lord spoke to Moses and said to him, "I am the Lord, and I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and by the name God Almighty. But by my name the Lord, I was not known to them. I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage, wherein they sojourned. I have." I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. Thank God that he's a covenant remembering God. Therefore, say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will rid you of their bondage. And I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgments, and I will take you to me. For a people, and I will be to you a God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into a land, which I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I will give it to you for an heritage. I am the Lord. Hallelujah. Can we turn over to chapter 12 and read just a few verses there? Chapter 12, we're going to read verse 29. Twelve twenty-nine. 29. At midnight, the Lord smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on his throne to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon, and all of the firstborn of livestock. Pharaoh rose up in the night. He had all his servants and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where there was not someone dead. Then he called for Moses and Aaron at night and said, rise up and get out from among my people. Both you and the children of Israel, go and serve the Lord, as you have said. Also, take your flocks and your herds, as you have said, and be gone. And bless me also. And the Egyptians urged the people so that they might send them out of the land in haste, for they said, we will all be dead. Father God, I thank you for your word tonight. I thank you, God, that your word is alive and it is true. And, God, it applies just as much today as it did back when it was written. God, it is absolute truth in our lives. And, God, if we'll take it and apply it to our lives, you'll give us light and life and revelation. God, tonight I pray that this word will get down on the inside of us. And, God, that we'll live it, that we'll breathe it. And, God, that we will celebrate all that you've done and all that you're about to do through it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated tonight in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. What what a passage of scripture for over 400 years. The Bible said that the the Hebrew people were enslaved to the Egyptians, enslaved to the Egyptians. And, And the Bible said that... It it was God who said, it's time for my people to be delivered. It's time for them to be set free. It's time for someone to go. I've heard their cries. I have heard their cries of, of deliverance. I've heard their cries of repentance. And it is my decision. I want them to be set free. And so he sent Moses and he sent Aaron into the land. Moses, this man born a Hebrew baby at a time when Pharaoh was scared of the strength and tenacity of God's people. Pharaoh actually said, I am scared of these people. I'm scared of them. Because... He said, I have tried to discourage them, I've tried to wear them out, I have afflicted them, I've tried to cause their lives to be so difficult that they can't take it, yet they grow in strength, and they grow in number, and so Pharaoh said, all right, we're going to kill all the baby boys. Can I tell you, it's a good thing if you can wear your enemy out like that. See, all you got to do is keep on going. A lot of people, when the enemy comes on to them and tries to make them stop, that's what they do. They do they stop, they give up. But the Hebrew people, the Bible said that whenever Pharaoh came against them and he afflicted them, all they did was get stronger and all they did was grow in number. And all they did was get more tenacity to them. And that's the way we've got to be with the enemy because all of a sudden Pharaoh one day said, I got to do something about this. Pharaoh said, I got to do something. I gotta start dwindling their numbers. I gotta start start dwindling them down. And Pharaoh told his people to throw all the baby boys in the river. But Moses' mother decided she wasn't about to let that thing that God had promised her go, and, and she wasn't about to let it die. She held that baby and she looked into his little eyes and she decided she wasn't about to destroy what God gave to her. So she made a basket. And she put Moses in the basket and she pushed the basket in the river. And as Pharaoh's daughter went down to the river for a bath, the hot Egyptian sun was beating down on the river. And it caused light to glint off of the ripples in the water and something caught her eye. It was the basket where baby Moses lay. Moses was raised in Pharaoh's house as Pharaoh's daughter's own child. And one day when Moses was older, he witnessed one of the Egyptians beating one of his own people. So he beat the Egyptian to death. And then the Bible said that he fled to Midian where he got married. And he settled down and he thought that it was all behind him. He thought that it was all past, that he would never have to go back to that land, that he would never have to deal with those people. He had, he had made a brand new start and he wasn't turning back. Until one day, you see, what Moses didn't understand is that God marks some people. God will mark people, and when he has you marked, you can't get away. He'll show up wherever you're at. He'll show up in the middle of the desert. He'll show up on a mountain in a burning bush. He'll show up wherever he's got to show up to tell you that he has a purpose for you and a plan for you. So you might be able to run for a while. You might be able to get away and think you're making a brand new start. You might be able to turn a page and turn a new leaf and think you've gotten away, but God will find you and he'll show up and he'll speak to you. And so Moses was out with a sheep one day, and on Mount Horeb, God began to speak to Moses from a burning bush, and God said, you're not done with the Egyptians yet. You have to go back, you have to go back, and you have to tell Pharaoh to let my people go. So Moses did what any good person of God would do. And he said, you got the wrong one. You got the wrong, you picked the wrong guy for the job. I don't talk right. I don't act right. I stutter. I have, I am underqualified, God. I don't have the paperwork. I didn't go to Bible college. I didn't have any training, God. I messed things up so bad. God, you saw the last mess you had to get me out of. Now you want me to go free all these people. God, do you know what I'm going to do down there? They're going to laugh at me. They're going to run me off. They're going to run me out of town. My people don't even want to see me anymore. I ran and left them. And God said, Go. I'll give you the words to say. And God sent Aaron into the desert to meet Moses, and they discussed what God told them to do. So they went to Egypt together. They began asking Pharaoh nicely if he would just let God's people go in the wilderness to worship him. This enraged Pharaoh, and he said, why do you want to go? Distract these slaves from their work. And he made the Hebrews work harder with less supplies. Then God said, go back to Pharaoh and tell him, let my people go. So Moses went back and told Pharaoh to let God's people go, and Pharaoh responded with a no and God said okay I'll send some plagues and one by one plagues came upon the land and the Egyptian people and Pharaoh they would agree to let God's people go and they would rescind on the promise as long as the plagues were being removed Pharaoh wasn't budging as long as something was temporary and God was, was was taking it back away, Pharaoh wasn't budging. So God said, okay, I've got one last plague and this is going to make my people be free. Something permanent, something that will not only cause present distress, but something that will cause problems for generations to come. And God said, I'm going to kill the firstborn of all the Egyptians because in destroying the firstborn, he was destroying their seed. Do you see what happens when you kill a baby? You destroy your own future. You're killing your own future. You're killing the future of a nation. You're killing the future of a people. You're killing the future. And God said, I'm going to destroy the seed of the Egyptians. The future of any species is locked up in its seed. If someone gathered up all the red delicious apples in the world and they cut them open and destroyed all the seeds, there would not be another red delicious apple in the world. Can I tell you, if someone destroyed every corn kernel in the entire world, there would not be another ear of corn on the earth. Because when you destroy the seed, you destroy the future. The future is locked up in the seed. And this is why when an animal species becomes endangered, scientists try to figure out a way to capture a few of the animals and breed them in captivity in order to repopulate the species and then release them into the wild. So God said, I'm going to destroy the seed of the Egyptians. I'm going to kill every firstborn. And in Exodus chapter 11, God sent a warning And he said, I'll bring one last plague upon Pharaoh and Egypt, and afterwards he will let you go from here. And when he lets you go, he shall surely thrust you out from here altogether. Speak now in the hearing of the people, and let every man borrow of his neighbor and every woman of her neighbor articles of silver and articles of gold. Then the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants. And in the sight of his people. And Moses went and told the people what the Lord says. Thus says the Lord, about midnight, I'll go out into the midst of Egypt. And all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die. From the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on his throne, even to the firstborn of the maidservant that is behind the mill, as well as the firstborn of the beasts. There shall be a great cry through the land of Egypt, such as never has been heard before. But against any of the children of Israel, a dog will not even move his tongue against man or beast in order that you may know how the Lord distinguishes between Egypt and Israel. And so God gave them very specific instructions. And it says, now the Lord in chapter 12 spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt saying, this month shall be the beginning of months to you. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak to the congregation of Israel and say, on the 10th day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a household. And the household be too little for the lamb. Let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the persons according to what each man shall eat. Divide the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats. You shall keep it unto the 14th day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. You shall take some of the blood and put it on two posts and on the upper doorposts of the house in which they shall eat it. They shall eat the flesh on that night roasted in fire, and they shall eat it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Do not eat it raw. Nor boiled at all with water, but roasted in fire, its head with its legs and its entrails. You shall let nothing of it remain until the morning, but that of which remains until the morning you shall burn with fire. For I will pass, verse 12, through the land of Egypt this night, and will smite all of the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. The blood shall be to you. For a sign on the house is where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. God said, here's what I want from my people on the 10th day you get a lamb, a spotless lamb without blemish, without any sort of thing wrong with it. You're going to kill that lamb on the 14th day of the month and eat it. The lamb has to be one lamb for every household. And God said, you're going to eat it and you're going to put your shoes on when you eat it. You're going to eat it standing up. He said, you're not going to recline when you eat it. You're going to eat it standing up because I want to let you know that you're about to travel on out of here. You're about to get out of here and you're supposed to to eat it with your clothes tied up and with your staff in your hand because after tonight you're about to move on. You're about to be set free because God said tonight I'm going to pass through the land and I love that old uh, Cecil B. DeMille movie, The Ten Commandments, uh, where where he shows uh, Charlton Heston as Moses in the movie. It's one of my favorite movies, but I can tell you that night it wasn't a green mist creeping through the streets uh, of of Egypt, uh, nor was it the death angel or any any other modern day Hollywood concoction for God said, I will pass through the land that night. Uh, I'm going to come through the land. I'm going to smite all the firstborn of Egypt, both man and beast uh, against all the gods of Egypt. I'm going to execute judgment because I'm the Lord. He said, I'm going to be the one that shows up. God said, I am going to pass judgment and I want blood on your doorposts and blood on your lentils, the blood of the lamb that you killed, because this will let me know that when I come through Egypt tonight, you're mine. I'm going to know that because that blood's there, when I see the blood, I'll know to pass over your household. I'll know that you're my people. When I see the blood, I'll not let any harm come to you. When I see the blood through the, through though you live in the midst of this vile, sinful people of Egypt, uh, I will know you're not one of them. You're called out, you're separate, you're different. And notice this, God didn't say I'm coming through Egypt looking for people to kill. He said, I'm coming through Egypt looking for people to save. He said, I'm coming for people to save. Because death was automatic to anyone without the blood. Anyone without the blood was going to be killed. Any household without the covering, he said, will die. God said, I'm coming through. I'm looking for people with the blood applied. I'm not looking for people to kill. I'm looking for people to save. I'm looking for people to set free. Can I tell you today that God's not looking for anybody to kill? God's not looking for anybody to smite. He's looking for people to save. He's looking for some people who will apply the blood to their life. He's willing that none should perish. And so the Bible said that night, the children of Israel went away and did as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron. And it came to pass that at midnight, the Lord smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on his throne to the firstborn of the captive that was in the dungeon and all the firstborn of the cattle. And Pharaoh rose up in the night and he and all his servants and all the Egyptians. And there was a great cry in Egypt for there was not a house where there was not one dead. And so Pharaoh called for Moses and he said, Get out of here. Get out of here. Pharaoh said, Get your people and get your things and get out. We have afflicted you and we have held you captive and now we're being destroyed because of it. Get out and get out now. The other Egyptians said, get out of town before we all die too. See, your God can turn it around so that your enemy will turn on you and the same enemy that was afflicting you can turn on you and he can say, get out of here, get away from me. That same enemy that had you down can push you away and say, i I'm suffering because I even had anything to do with you. Get out of here and leave me alone. I pray your enemy starts to turn on you. I pray your enemy starts to turn on you tonight. I pray the enemy gets so mad he kicks you out. I pray that the damage that's done to his kingdom because he dared to mess with you is so great. He says, take your stuff and take your family and get away from me. It's one thing to run the devil off, but it's a whole other thing when the devil runs you out of town. When he says, get away from me, you're too bad for me. You're too much for me to deal with. I pray the enemy starts turning on your kids. I pray the drug dealer. Look at them and say you don't belong here. Get away from us I pray the party crowd looks at them and says we can't be around you anymore Get out of here I pray the ones who would try to get your spouse to get up and cheat would look at them and say stay away from me Everything's going wrong since I started coming around you I pray the ones that have been trying to drag your family members to the pits of hell with them Will look at them and say we can't hang out with you anymore. We got to get some new friends Get away from me get away from me Get away from me. Pharaoh said, get your stuff and get out. What a thought. And I've actually prayed that over certain family members and seen the situation turn around that the people they're hanging with will say, I don't want anything to do with you. Not only did Pharaoh tell them to get out, But according to Exodus 12, 35 and 36, now the children of Israel did according to the word of Moses and they requested of the Egyptians articles of silver and gold and clothing. And the Lord gave favor in in the sight of the Egyptians. And so they gave them what they requested. Thus they plundered the Egyptians. Now the King James says that they borrowed, that they asked, and the Egyptians lent to them. That's a terrible translation because the Hebrew people knew they weren't coming back. The Hebrew people didn't ask to borrow anything. They said, you're going to give us that gold and you're going to give us that silver and we're leaving town with your stuff. We're taking our stuff and we're taking your stuff too. And they left town rich. They weren't borrowing anything. They asked for the Egyptians' jewelry and clothing and precious artifacts. And the Egyptians felt that if they didn't do what was asked of them, that God was going to hit them too. So not only did the Egyptians say, get out out of town, they gave them their valuables. The enemies of Israel paid them to leave. Are you seeing what I'm saying here? Not only were they freed, but the enemy wanted them gone so bad that they paid the Israelites to leave. Your enemy can want rid of you so bad. If you get get into the Holy Ghost enough, if you apply the blood enough, your enemy can want rid of you so bad that, that he just leaves you alone, but not only will he leave you alone, you'll leave with spoils. You'll plunder the enemy's kingdom. You'll leave with riches. You'll leave with more than you showed up with. You'll leave with more than he stole from you. If the thief be found. Hallelujah. Now, there were very specific rules about the Passover lamb that God had laid down for his people. Is it all right if I teach you for a few minutes tonight? The lamb was selected on the 10th of the month of Nisan. Four days before it was killed, it was to be brought into the house and it would be welcomed by the people who lived in the house and then cared for it until it was time for it to be killed on the Passover. Four days before his death on the cross on Passover, Jesus was brought into Jerusalem on a donkey and he was welcomed by all the people as they waved palm branches and they threw down their cloaks in front of him. Jesus entered into Jerusalem on Lamb Selection Day and people shouted to the Lamb of God, Hosanna, which literally translates into save us, save us. Just as the blood of the Passover lamb on the first Passover would save God's people from destruction, Jesus came to save the people from their spiritual destruction. The lamb had to be selected without blemish. The lambs were inspected and gone over to ensure that they were the absolute best quality and that there were no spots or marks on their body. They were selected from the very best stock and in no way could they be second best. And when John the Baptist introduced Jesus in John 1 29, he said, behold, the lamb. Of the God, who, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Verse Peter two twenty two and Isaiah fifty three nine say he committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. He was spotless. He was without blemish. He had committed no sin. He was perfect and with, without defect, just as the Passover Lamb was supposed to be. The Passover Lamb had to be consumed by the people of God. It had to be eaten. None could be wasted or left over until the next morning. And on the night before Jesus was crucified, what did he do? And as they were eating, Jesus took the bread and he blessed it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. Take and eat. And he took the cup and gave thanks. And he said to them, drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Are you getting it yet? Are you getting it yet? We don't understand exactly why or what happened. We think, oh, that's a nice passage. We think, all oh, the, the traditions, uh, those are nice things. Uh, but can I tell you tonight that Jesus fulfilled down to the T exactly what was required to be a Passover lamb? to the people the jewish people at the time they would have had these customs and rituals drilled into their minds from the time that they were just children and when jesus did or something said something like this a giant light bulb should have went off over their heads but sadly for many people it did not happen it didn't make sense the passover lamb was killed on the eve of passover on the afternoon of the 14th day guess what jesus was crucified On the 14th day of Nisan, he fulfilled everything. Matthew, Mark, and Luke record that Jesus died about the ninth hour. The ninth hour is what we would call today 3 p.m. Jesus gave up his spirit at 3 p.m. on Passover. First of all, why would they record this specific time in the Bible? Why would they record a specific time? Are there any other major passages of Scripture where they say, Hey, this happened at 3 o'clock. There aren't a whole lot of passages where we realize, where we see the time of day, the exact time of day that something happened. And so it's important to, I'm about to blow your mind, the ninth hour or 3 p.m. was the hour of prayer for the Jewish people. This was the time of day when they would have all gone up to the temple. And on this particular day, they would have been there because they brought their Passover lambs to be sacrificed at 3 p.m. So Jesus was there and he was dying on the cross and all the people were headed for the temple because it was 3pm and they were headed in there to sacrifice their Passover lambs at 3pm. So as Jesus was breathing his last and he said it is finished, the priest at the temple would have been blowing his shofar and the Passover lambs would have been sacrificed. According to the Talmud an Israelite slaughters the Passover lamb and a priest receives the blood. So an individual slaughtered a lamb for their own households and the lines and lines of priests were there to gather the blood and at the exact time the lambs were being killed, Jesus gave up his spirit at the cross. At 3pm the shofar blasted in the temple the lambs were slain and the priests all recited a certain passage of scripture. Can I read it to you? Psalm 113 The stone which the builders rejected has become the head cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Save us now, I beseech thee, O Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, send now prosperity. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you out of the house of the Lord. God is the Lord which has showed us his light. Bind the sacrifice with cords, even to the horns of the altar. Thou art my God, and I will praise thee. Thou art my God, and I will exalt thee. O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. His mercy endureth forever and as they were killing the lambs, and Jesus was breathing his last, the priests were prophesying over themselves and over the nation of Israel and over everybody on the entire earth. The one that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Save us now, they were yelling, as Jesus was dying on the cross. So while Jesus was giving up his spirit, the shofar was blasting, the Passover lambs were being slain, and the Levites were chanting, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all record another event taking place in the temple at the same time, and behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. So at the same time that the lambs were slaughtered, at the same time the shofar was blasting and the Levites were chanting, all of a sudden, some dark clouds started to roll in and the earth started to shake a little bit at the day of the year where everybody was at the temple to see it. The temple veil started to rip from the top to the bottom and I'm sure somebody came out screaming, the veil's been torn, the veil's been torn, the veil's been torn. And the presence of God like a river rushed out of that Holy of Holies down the streets of Jerusalem until it filled the whole earth and we have access at any time of the day. During the killing and cooking and eating of the lamb, the Israelites were not allowed to break any bones of the lamb. The Bible says that on the day of preparation, the Jews didn't want to leave the bodies of Jesus and the two thieves on the cross according to Scripture during the Sabbath, so they determined to break the legs of the the men hanging on the crosses so they wouldn't would be able to push themselves up to inhale. The soldiers broke the legs of the two thieves, but they didn't break the legs of Jesus because he had already given up his spirit. The lamb had no broken bones. Nothing was to remain of the original Passover lamb overnight, but it was often custom, custom for criminals who were crucified to be left hanging on the cross even long after they had died. However, Jesus, the Passover lamb, was taken down off the cross the same evening of his crucifixion. He fulfills every requirement. The original Passover lamb's blood had to be spread on the doorpost and the lentil of the house, and those who had the blood on the doorposts and lentil were hidden behind the blood so they didn't receive the judgment of God. And we know that whoever applies the blood of Jesus to the doorposts and lentil of their heart will not be subject to the judgment of God. They will not be punished, and here's what I love about Jesus. Not only did he become the Passover lamb, he is everything we could ever need. Now, think about the places where Jesus shed his blood. He said he, he shed his blood on his hands, on his head, on his back, on his feet. And in John 10 9, he says this Not only is he the Passover lamb, he's the door. He's the door too. He's your Passover lamb. He laid down his life. His blood was shed so that judgment would not be passed on you. Can you see how God lined everything up so that it would be perfect? Can you see how he lined every single thing up so that this feast would be fulfilled perfectly and he would get the glory? Do you see the attention to detail that God has? Do you see that all who, though he's great and he does gigantic things on a gigantic scale, he also does things on the minuscule scale and he will time things down to the minute. He's a great big God who works out the very smallest detail of your life. 1 Corinthians 5, 7 says, for our Passover lamb has already been offered in sacrifice. We apply the blood to our lives and we are protected. We apply the blood to our homes and we are protected. We apply the blood to our families and we are protected. We thank God for the blood sacrifice tonight. That is Jesus, our savior, our Passover lamb. The greatest part of the Passover story, in my opinion, is this. It is a celebration of liberation. It is a celebration of freedom. It is a celebration of being free from bondage. The Hebrews celebrated that they were delivered from Egypt and from Pharaoh's wicked rule, but we celebrate because we're no longer slaves to sin. We celebrate because we're no longer bound up in sin and chains. We celebrate because we're free from the things that were taking us to hell. We are no longer under the control of sin. We are free from the chains, and we are excited that we can apply the blood and be free from judgment. There's one difference between the first Passover and the Passover that we have in Christ Jesus. The Passover in which the Hebrew people were liberated was one where Pharaoh had the choice to let God's people go. Pharaoh had a choice, but because the plague was so bad, he said, get out, he said, get out. He could say yes or no. He changed his mind a few times when the plagues were happening. He changed his mind after he changed his mind afterwards and he started chasing down the Hebrew people through the desert. They got, he got them up against the Red Sea and God, God had to part the Red Sea and then he swallowed up the Egyptians in the Red Sea. Pharaoh changed his mind and started going back after the Hebrew people in order that he might repossess them and take them captive once again. But can I tell you, the Passover that we have is freedom is granted when we say we're out. The devil the devil has no choice but to let you go because you choose to be free, you choose to walk out of Egypt. Not only that, but you can take spoils with you as you leave any bondage that you have in your life. You can plunder the enemy's kingdom as you leave. How do I plunder the enemy's kingdom? I take as many people with me as I possibly can. I take as many people out of bondage with me as I possibly can. How do I plunder the enemy's kingdom? What well, can I tell you? I've been delivered. Delivered of what you're going through. So I can tell you right now, God is a healer. God is a deliverer, and I want you out too. So come on with me. We can plunder the enemy's kingdom. We can take people with us. And so tonight, I want to encourage you. Apply the blood to your life. Apply the blood to your home. Apply the blood to the lives of your family. Apply the blood. And there's one final thing that I wanna add tonight. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 26 says this. And I love that Pastor touched on household salvation that we need to believe God that our house is going to be saved. Our families are going to be saved this morning. He said that Hebrews 10, Exodus ten, twenty six. our livestock, this is Moses talking to Pharaoh. He said, our livestock will go with us also, and not a hoof will be left behind. For we must take them to serve the Lord our God, and we do not know with what we must serve the Lord until we get there. Can I tell you, Moses walked up to Pharaoh and he said, you know what? Uh, We're going to take all of our family members with us. Uh, We're going to take all of our belongings with us. Uh, Our cattle is coming with us. Uh, Our livestock is going to go with us. He said, our cattle shall also go with us and there shall not be a hoof left behind. Some of you need to start letting the devil know you're not leaving a hoof behind in his kingdom. You're not leaving one child behind in his kingdom. You're not leaving one mother or father behind in his kingdom. You're not leaving a spouse behind in his kingdom. You're not leaving any family members behind in his kingdom. Every single member of my family shall be saved. I'm not leaving a hoof behind. I'm not leaving anything behind in the devil's kingdom. I apply the blood to the doorposts and the lentils of my house. I apply the blood to the doorposts and the lentils when it concerns my family, every child, every Every grandchild, every son, every daughter, every niece and nephew, every brother and sister, every cousin, every husband, every wife, every sister and brother, mother, father, everybody is coming with me. I'm not leaving one hoof behind in Egypt. I'm not leaving one in bondage. I'm going to go and I'm going to pray and seek God until everybody's out, until everybody's out, until the devil looks at us and says, you got to get out of here. I got nothing to do with you anymore. You tormented me. I afflicted you and you tormented me. I came against you and you wreaked havoc on my kingdom. I'm not sticking around here. You get out. Hallelujah. So tonight I want us to pray for anybody who's in need of salvation, first of all, in this place. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I'm going to ask you, are you right with the Lord tonight? Do you know him? If you were to die today, could you say that the blood is applied to the doorposts and lentils of your heart, of your life, of your house? Could you say that he has been made the sacrifice for you? Have you accepted it? Or have you been rejecting it? Have you been somewhere else? Have you not been paying attention? Maybe you had it applied at one point and you decided to walk away. I'm going to ask you that first. I'm going to count to three, and if you say, that's me, I need the Lord in my life. I need forgiveness. I need salvation. When I count to three, I want you to put your hand up and put it back down. One, two, three. Yes, I see that hand. I see those hands. Yes. And I've got a second part to this. If there is anybody in your life that you can say, that person is a hoof that's still in Egypt. That person, that family member, that coworker, that loved one, is a hoof that's still in Egypt that I'm connected with. I want to ask you to come up to this altar and let's agree together that every single person that we're connected with is going to come out of Egypt, is going to come out of Egypt. As you're coming, as the the people who raised their hands, I'm going to ask you to come as well because we're going to pray together. We're going to believe God that not one hoof is going to be left in Egypt. Not one hoof. Every single person that I'm connected with is coming with me out. Every single person that I'm connected with is coming out of Egypt. They're coming out of bondage. They're coming out of darkness and into the kingdom of light. Hallelujah. 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 For the people who Raise their hands for the salvation. I want us to all pray this prayer right now. I want you to meet it in your heart. If you raised your hand, say, Father God, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I believe Jesus is your son. I believe he died on the cross and rose again. And God, I ask right now, That you wash me in his blood. That you cleanse me. Help me to live for you all the days of my life. I renounce darkness. I renounce Satan. And I declare I'm a child of God. Now fill me with the Holy Ghost. Help me to live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now I want to pray for every single person who said, I've got hooves in Egypt. I've got family members. I've got co-workers. I've got, I've got loved ones. I've got people that I know that I'm close to and connected with that are still in bondage, that are not saved, that do not have the blood applied to their lives. And God, right now I ask for a mighty move. I ask for your Holy Spirit to begin to touch people's hearts wherever they are at tonight. You see each person at this altar and around this place tonight, God. You see each person and you know who they are connected with, God. Their sons and their daughters, their grandsons and granddaughters daughters, spouses, God, brothers, sisters, parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, every single person who is not saved, God, we call them in right now, and we ask, God, that your Holy Spirit would work on their hearts and draw them in, draw them in. God, we have determined we're not leaving a hoof behind in Egypt, we're not leaving any belongings behind in Egypt, but God, everybody that we are connected with and that we love is coming with us out of darkness and into the kingdom of light. Free them from bondage tonight, my God. Break the chains that are over their life tonight, my God. If there are any addicted, break the chains tonight. If there are any, God, who are sick, break the chains. God, tonight we ask for your Holy Spirit to put such a conviction on them, God, that they begin to make phone calls and say, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? God, we pray tonight that our our households shall be saved. We come into agreement with your word that says, as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. We apply the blood to the doorposts. We apply the blood to the lentils. We apply the blood to our own lives and the lives of those that we love. So tonight, God, we thank you for bringing them out. We thank you tonight that every single person in bondage is no longer gonna be a slave, but God, they're gonna walk in the freedom that you have given through Jesus Christ. We thank you for the Passover lamb tonight, the Passover lamb that sets us free. God, not only do I pray that people come out of Egypt, I pray they come out with a plunder. I pray they come out with spoils from the enemy's kingdom. And God, that they take as many people with them as they possibly can. And that as they're delivered, God, they speak to people and say, God set me free, and He can set you free too. I'm no longer bound up in the things of the enemy, I'm no longer bound up in darkness, but I am free. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Every child shall be saved every grandchild shall be saved hallelujah god we receive your word tonight we receive your word tonight and god we speak it into existence that our households and families will be saved and god i believe that even within this week, we're going to hear testimonies that people have turned around and they've walked out of Egypt, that they've walked out of Egypt and they're in the promised kingdom, God, that they're in your kingdom. So God, tonight we rejoice in the fact that liberation is here, that liberation is here, that freedom is here for your people. In Jesus' name, Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Caleb Schaefer Podcast. If you would like to connect with Caleb, you can do so on Facebook at Caleb Schaefer Ministry, on Instagram at Caleb underscore Schaefer, or by visiting www.calebshaefer.com. If you have been encouraged, please share this podcast with your friends and loved ones. Once again, we appreciate you listening to today's episode. And may God bless you as you continue to walk with him.